Hey, what's going on guys? Welcome to another episode on the Amputee Investor Podcast. And today we're going to actually be talking about subject to, what is subject to, and how you can use subject to as an investment strategy when you are buying real estate. So we're going to jump into that right now. You will fail your way to greatness. Most people allow their fear of failure to outweigh their desire to succeed. When you're willing to fail again and again and again, when you make up your mind to become unstoppable, when you make up your mind to become a no matter what person, then that will then give birth to a part of yourself that you don't know right now. How to fire your boss, build a full-time career, and live life on your own terms with investing in real estate. You are listening to the Amputee Investor Podcast. Husband, father, and dangerously handsome. Here's your host, Miles Berrio. All righty, so let's get into what Subject 2 is and how you can use this in your business when it comes to buying real estate um, or just investing in general. So, um, you know, first of all, Subject 2 is short for buying a property or buying real estate subject to its existing mortgage. Now, you'll probably hear a lot of different investors say, hey, I bought this property Sub 2 or I bought this Sub 2. So that's just a shorthand, you know, for Subject 2 is just Sub 2. But what it really means is you're buying a property property subject to its existing mortgage. Now, why is this a really unique and an awesome uh, creative finance real estate investing strategy? Uh, Well, first of all, you know, in order for me to go buy a house traditionally, right? I mean, you know, you go look on the MLS, there's a house for sale. Traditionally, what will happen is, you know, I'll go to the bank and I have to go through this entire qualification process to get a loan from the bank, which obviously, if any of you guys have bought a house before and you've gone through trying to get a mortgage, we all know that it's not easy to get a mortgage. It's very, very difficult, especially after after 08. And for good reason, obviously, you know, a lot of people are getting mortgages that they couldn't afford in 2008. So basically, the bank's tightened up the qualifications for anyone to get mortgages today, but that has made it even more difficult for people that basically have the finances and the ability to go get financing, but you have to pretty much fit in this perfect specific box to be able to get a mortgage. So let's just say you finally go through this whole drawn out process to finally get a mortgage to then pay off another mortgage to buy a house. Well, subject two is really awesome because you can actually work directly with the seller and it doesn't require you to go to the bank to go get a mortgage, you can actually just take over the mortgage that is already existing, which is why it's called subject to, and in full terms, subject to the existing mortgage. So essentially, how does that work in terms of you actually buying the property? Well, it's very simple. So when you buy a property subject to its existing mortgage, you are not assuming the loan. So that would be really the first key to this is understanding that assuming a loan. So you guys may have heard of like an assumable mortgage or assuming a loan. It is not the same thing. So if you're having a conversation with someone and maybe they're like, oh yeah, okay, you're just you know going to assume the loan, et cetera. No, no, no. So it's completely different than assuming a loan because if you're assuming the mortgage, you're actually going to have to go through a qualification process to be able to assume that loan. But subject to, again, is there to avoid having to go through that entire process. You are working directly with the seller and you are just being responsible for the mortgage payments in short. That's that's basically the most simple way of putting it is 
you are not assuming the mortgage. The debt will stay in the seller's name, but you will actually take the deed of the property. So the deed will be transferred over to you. You have now taken over ownership of the property, but you're not assuming the mortgage. You are now just saying that you are going to be responsible for those mortgage payments on the seller's behalf. Now, I know that might, you know, arise a number of questions as it normally does. And that's why we're going to kind of dive into this a little bit. You know, one of the first questions people ask is like, okay, you're going to buy my property subject to, so you're going to just take over my mortgage payments, but the loan's going to stay in my name. So wait a minute. I mean, what if you stop making the mortgage payment? So let's kind of dive into that, right? Well, number one, let's just talk about the psychology of why we would use this investment strategy. It doesn't make sense for me to take over someone's mortgage payments and then just not make the payments because then I would lose the opportunity. That was the whole point of being able to take over the mortgage payments in the first place, right? But let's let's just dive in even deeper where they're like, yeah, but you know, I don't know, anything could happen and you could essentially just disappear, maybe even pass away. I don't know. What let's just say anything crazy happens. I mean, I'm stuck with you not making the mortgage payments. Well, you know, n- number two, aside from the fact that this is an investment strategy and opportunity for me to buy real estate without having to go to the bank and qualify. So I'm not gonna just not make the payments, but let's just say worst case scenario something like that happened. Well, there's a document that you should be putting in place, which is called the deed in lieu. So a deed in lieu. And that is what we use every time we would buy a property subject to. And what that deed in lieu states is that if I default on making the mortgage payments on the seller's behalf, then what would happen is that deed that I just got transferred over to me, that seller and that's why it's called deed in lieu. Again, another kind of shorthand for a longer phrase of deed in lieu of foreclosure. The seller does not have to foreclose on me. The deed just gets transferred back over. So imagine if I bought a property subject to and I paid for closing costs, I'm making the seller's payment. So they're getting their mortgage paid. They're getting their credit in, you know, improved because the debt's in their name. It's not in mine. So it's improving their credit. And maybe I even had to come to the closing table with a little bit of cash, you know, maybe five grand, 10 grand. Well, if I just stop making the payments, I lose all of that, literally all of that. I get nothing that I put into this property and it's actually the worst case scenario becomes the best case scenario for the seller. So I'm, I'm kind of talking on behalf of rebuttals. If you have a seller, you know, kind of worried about, well, what if you take over my mortgage payments, you don't make the payments. That's actually best case scenario. That means all the money that I put into this deal, you essentially just get this property just deeded back over to you. Like, I mean, that's what the deed in lieu would state is if I default for any more than, let's just say 30 days, you can put whatever in the contract then the property just gets deeded right back over. So there's definitely some powerful protection for the seller in that place for um, the buyer, you, if you are buying the property subject to, but let's talk about some other stuff, right? So you're buying a property subject to the existing mortgage. Well, there's two reasons. There's a lot of reasons why someone might sell on their, you know, sell their property subject to, but here are kind of two main reasons why someone might sell subject to. Number one, they're in pre-foreclosure. So they're about to get foreclosed on and they're about to lose the property altogether. So it's actually kind of one of those sort of, maybe they tried to do a loan mod and they try to work out all these different ways to sell their property, maybe thought about selling it on the market, but after closing costs, after realtor fees, after any sort of concession, I mean, just all types of things, maybe they would have to write a check to even close. Like maybe they owe more than what the property's even worth. So it's kind of like, this is like last resort. A lot of times, 
if someone's in pre-foreclosure, someone buying their property subject to its existing mortgage and, and really catching up those arrears that they, you know, obviously got into foreclosure with is really the best case scenario for them. So that's one reason why someone might want to sell subject to, because now let's say they owe 10 or 20 or $30,000, you know, in the arrears and they have this mortgage. Well, I can just take over that mortgage. I don't have to go to the bank to go get a loan to go pay that off or pay it all cash. I can just clear what's in the arrears and bring that mortgage current. And because of doing that, I now own the property and then I can obviously leverage the property however however I would want to leverage it. Um, but I'm able to just buy the property subject to. And the cool thing is, is for the seller, they don't have a foreclosure on their credit, which is I mean, anyone would rather take someone just taking over their mortgage and clearing all of their arrears rather than actually having a foreclosure on their credit and losing the property altogether. So that is one reason why someone might want to sell subject to. Another reason someone might want to sell subject to is, hey, what's going on, guys? So I just want to really quick share with you an incredible way for you to build out your LLC structure. So if you are trying to build your business and you need an LLC, or maybe you already have an LLC, but you did what I did, which was go on Google and go, how do you create an LLC? And then you just created one. You really want to use professionals who really know what they're doing and they can help you with full anonymity. So there's a difference between you creating an LLC, thinking that no one's going to know that you own a property or this asset in real estate. And then there's a difference between there being an entire corporate structure that actually gives you the protection because see, LLCs give you tax advantages, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have full anonymity because anyone can really figure out who owns an LLC. There, there's enough tools and enough you know, technology out there to do that. So you have to make sure you create an entire corporate structure. And my corporate structure was created by these amazing individuals that built out my living trust that then holds a holding company that then holds my LLCs that hold other LLCs. And guys, my family and I, our house that we even bought doesn't even have our name on it. Like we're talking about full protection. People do not know the assets that you own as you continue to build wealth. You want to check these guys out. So head over to the description and click on the link that says LLC formation and go get your answers to the questions you have about how to build an actual corporate structure that protects you in case of lawsuits, in case of any liabilities, and just do it the right way. I promise you, you will not regret it. You know, maybe maybe they have a good bit of equity in their home and they're kind of selling a little retail or maybe even above retail, but they're just not getting any bites from the market. Like it's just, I don't know what they're asking for. is just too high. And just people just don't see it. They're not like, I just, they're, they just don't see trying to pay that price. Well, I can really work with the seller and say, look, I'm willing to actually buy this property at the price that you would like but I just, you got to work with me on how you sell it. So if you can be a little flexible and they probably are going to be like, well, what do you mean by flexible? You know, and you go, well, you know, you have a mortgage on this property, so I can buy your property with the mortgage in place and actually buy it at the price that you're asking and the equity that you have left over, we can work out some creative financing strategies on that. Now, I'm not going to dive into all of how you do that um, on this podcast episode because I'm actually going to go through you know, what is the hybrid method and talk about how you can actually leverage two types of investment strategies together and that's what that would be. But that's just another reason why someone might want to sell subject to their mortgage is it just makes sense because it allows for the buyer or you, if you're the investor, to actually pay more for the property because you're just going to take over the mortgage payments. You're not having to pay the entire mortgage off. 
Um, and it's just a it's a win win. They get to sell at the price that they want, and they can actually earn some income if it makes sense on the exit strategy based off whether you're going to rent it out or do, you know. Again, we'll go into those strategies you know on another episode. But that's another reason why someone might want to sell subject two. So another point to understand about subject two is that there has to be a mortgage on the property. There has to be some debt. So when you buy any piece of real estate, there's only going to be two situations. It's either free and clear or there's some kind of debt. It it doesn't matter what's going there. Those are the only two situations. Like literally, even if there's $500 left on a property, that that's a that's debt. That's $500 that's still owed. So, you're either free and clear, there's nothing that that property that that owner owes on that property or there's some debt. So, subject to only works when there's a mortgage, there's some kind of debt because buying a property subject to the existing mortgage means you are being responsible for the mortgage payments or the debt that's already in place. So there has to be debt. So if there's a property that's free and clear and the seller doesn't owe anything, then you don't want to talk about subject to or think subject to because that's not the strategy for that. Um, You know, sometimes you know, even even a closing attorney for some reason, I don't understand. Um, but a lot of times realtors might think that subject to that investment strategy is like illegal or like just like is not even real, which guys subject to has been a strategy for many, 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 many years. I mean, I'm sure probably a hundred years since even maybe more than that, but it is not anything new under the sun. It's just something a little bit more common today as you have YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and all these investors and people online, you know, podcasts like myself that share these strategies, but people have been doing this for many, many, many years. So don't ever think that, um, you know, this is illegal or don't ever let someone tell you that it's illegal. You know how it's so interesting that if this was so illegal, why would this be in HUD documents? So if you actually look at closing documents, when you look at, if you go buy a property, you buy a piece of real estate and you get the settlement or the, the HUD settlement statement or the HUD document back from the closing attorney, you're actually going to, if you really look closely and, and maybe the next time you go buy a piece of real estate, ask the closing attorney, say, Hey, can you show me where the subject to line is on this document? Guys, it's going to be in the closing document. Why would that be something in a closing a federal document that shows subject to a subject to line if it was something that was illegal so it's obviously something any HUD document any closing document you're going to be able to see there's a line that says subject to now it's probably going to be left blank if you're not buying it subject to um, but if you are that's obviously a place where you can put that so it's not anything illegal it's just a lot of times people just don't know and understand that strategy so Again, I didn't want to make this, you know, audio too long. I just wanted to kind of touch in touch a little bit of, of, on that because I know, you know, I get people all the time like, "Wait, what do you mean subject to or what is subject to?" It's very simple. You are buying a property subject to its existing mortgage. The debt stays in the seller's name and you are paying those mortgage payments on their behalf. Okay, it's 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 really that simple. You go to a closing attorney, you tell them, "Hey, I'm buying this property subject to its existing mortgage. I'm not assuming the loan, but I'm buying it subject to the existing mortgage." Now, you want to have a servicing company that services the payments that you're going to be making to have proof that you're making those payments to the bank. But it's very simple when it comes to, let's just say, um, you know, what do you do when you buy the property subject to in terms of uh, insurance, right? Let's just talk about that. Well. You don't want to change the insurance, right? Sometimes people go, I had a seller say, well, I don't understand. If you're going to buy my property subject to why not? why don't I just cancel my insurance and then you put it in your own name? Well, there's really kind of one of the last topics we'll talk about it on this one because we'll maybe dive in a little bit deeper on another episode. Um, but there's this topic that you'll hear when it comes to subject two, and that is the due on sale clause. Dun, 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 dun. Everyone's always like, oh, the due on sale clause. That's why a lot of people are afraid sometimes to really do a subject two transaction. And guys, 
you being struck by lightning is almost about, if not the the same amount of opportunity or chance for you to get struck by lightning, or even less, you actually having the do on sale clause uh, clause be called um, on you. And and what I mean by that is every like traditional bank, because this is in all mortgages, um, essentially with traditional banks. Because if I you know maybe buy a property, seller finance, right? Like the seller is going to finance the property to me. That essentially is a mortgage too, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, a do on sale clause is in that mortgage. So it's not on every document, but most most times in traditional banks or traditional you know loans, like if there's from you know a loan from Wells Fargo or a mortgage you know with Chase or Bank of America or credit union, whatever you know, sort of like traditional financing when you buy a house. More nine times out of ten, there's going to be a, and probably even a hundred times out of a hundred, um, there's going to be a, a due on sale clause, which essentially just means that the lender has the opportunity and the right to call the loan due at the time of sale or after there has been a sale and that loan was not paid off. It doesn't mean that they're absolutely going to do it. It just means that they can, if they choose to, choose to if you sell the property. Um, and the loan is not paid off because you got to think at the end of the day, they qualified this borrower for the real estate asset that they are basically having this loan secured by. And that was a relationship between them and that borrower. So if you're going to buy the property and you're making the payments, they, there's not really a relationship that they have with you. So it makes sense that that's in the contract. It kind of protects them. But you got to think about how banks work as well. Banks don't want to own real estate. At the end of the day, it's not like they really want to call the loan due because they're making money off of interest. They don't want to have to now call it due and have this piece of real estate now that is not getting interest on and they have to figure out, you know, selling this thing, you know, they, you know, or it gets paid off and now they're not making any more money on it, right? They don't want to have to own an asset. That's why banks don't really like foreclosing on people either, right? Like they work with you. They don't want to own assets. They just want to make money on their money, right? When you put money into the bank, they are leveraging that money and they are getting interest on that. They are just leveraging your capital to make money, right? They're making money with money that is not theirs, right? It's an amazing strategy. But essentially, they don't want to really call the loan due, but they can. And what that means is, is when you buy the property subject to, one of the things that can kind of be a flag for them is when the insurance lapse or the insurance just, you know, stops essentially, because again, that's a big, big red flag for them because they're thinking, wait a minute, the money that we just loaned on this piece of real estate, this asset is not even insured anymore. Like that doesn't protect them as a lender, right? Like they need protection. They need the property insured if just in case anything crazy happens in terms of damages or, you know, anything that happens to the property, they, they want to make sure that they're protected. So if there isn't any insurance or the insurance changes, oh, okay. You know, red flags go up. What's going on? Right. So what you want to do is you want to add yourself as additionally insured. You want to add yourself as additionally insured. You want to explain to the seller, everything is just going to stay the same, Mr. or Mrs. Seller. I'm going to buy this property subject to, all I'm going to start doing is making these payments on your behalf. But the insurance is not going to change. I'm just going to add myself as additionally insured. I'm not assuming the loan. The loan state, the debt stays in your name. I'm just taking over the property, the ownership of the property. The deed gets transferred over. And I just start making these payments. Nothing changes with the bank. They're just going to keep getting their check. It, everything's good. There's nothing that, there's nothing crazy. And in worst case scenario, if you just stop making payments again, we have that deed in lieu of foreclosure where the property just gets deeded back over. The worst case scenario is the best case for them. So it's actually a great strategy, guys, where it allows you to take over mortgages that are already existing. And it's even more beautiful because if you're listening to this right now, which it is December 17th, 
Uh, well, actually, I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now at this recording, it is December 17th, 2022. Interest rates are at the highest they've ever been in a very long time. We all know we're in a high interest rate market and, you know, markets kind of slowing down and this is sort of recessionary period everyone talks about. But, you know, you got interest rates right now at six, seven, eight percent and you can take over mortgage payments where interest rates are at three or two and a half percent. And that's the beauty about subject two, because you're not getting new financing that is current today to go buy a piece of real estate. You're just taking over the financing that was already secured on that property way back when. So you're talking about rates that are way better than what they are today, which is another benefit of buying a piece of real estate subject to the existing mortgage. So there's a whole nother conversation about how to actually approach a seller about subject to and how to walk them through, you know, the benefits and have that conversation. You guys should just listen to other podcast episodes or recordings and things like that. I think I'm actually going to be sharing, sharing with you guys the subject to, um, if I haven't already, but I think if I haven't, I'm going to be sharing with you guys, um, an audio where I actually talk about a subject to, um, or it's a recording of me talking to a seller, um, offering them a subject to, and it, it absolutely, I mean, it just made sense. And the, the seller, uh, accepted the offer and it was just an awesome opportunity. So you guys will be able to hear me do that. But I hope you guys understand, again, the key factors of subject to is number one, there has to be debt on the property. Number two, you're taking over the existing mortgage by basically paying those payments on the seller's behalf. You are number three, not assuming the loan. You are just taking over the mortgage payments. Number four, um, when it comes to insurance, you're adding yourself as additionally insured. You're not changing the insurance. That'll make that'll cause a red flag for the lender to be like, whoa, okay, what's going on? Look into it. Okay, this thing has been sold. Maybe we want to call this thing due. You don't want to really go through that you know, situation. And number five would actually be the due on sale clause. So again, if the due on sale clause actually ever gets executed, it's not like the bank's going to call the loan due and like, they're going to foreclose you like that day, or even in five days, or even in like three, four weeks, like you have time. There's a whole process that, um, the bank's going to have to go through if they call the loan due and it gives you time and you have options. I mean, like I said, I mean, I mean, you could end up just saying, you know what, you know, we've cashed out on this, we've cash flowed, whatever the case is, like, you know, you could just sell the property and then maybe take the equity from that if there is some or um you know you can deed it back over to the seller and do kind of like what's called a contract for deed or a land contract basically you know quick claim deed over it um back to the seller and then just continue leveraging the property until uh it's paid off and then it gets deeded back over to you now that it's free and clear and there is no lender um you know you can just you know use a private money lender and cash that person out um and then refinance later you can maybe if you have the cash just pay off the whole thing you know i mean there's so many different options i just i don't think it's something that you need to you know have as like the boogeyman and you never do a subject to transaction um you'll you'll definitely have options so anyway guys i just wanted to at least open the door and open the conversation to understanding what subject to is it's a great strategy um that does not require you to have to go through all the hoops and jump and jump through all the different you know processes and qualifications of going to the bank um you don't need you know credit score tax returns you know uh, bank statements all that stuff it's a it's sim- it is as simple as just working with the seller um understanding you know get that mortgage statement you want to get that more mortgage statement um, to understand what's the balance. So you know exactly what the balance is. You want to know, you know, what the actual mortgage payments are. 
you know, because the whole goal of you buying the property subject to is, you know, unless you're going to live in the property, so it doesn't matter. You just take over the mortgage payments. You know what those payments are. You're just going to pay it. But obviously this is more of an investment strategy where you're going to, you know, most likely rent that property out. A lot of times you can even flip a property. It's called a sub tail. Um, Again, we'll dive into maybe some other stuff of like different strategies after you buy a property subject to. But if you are going to rent it out, you need to understand what the market rent is, because let's just say the mortgage payments are $500 a month and it rents for $1,000 a month. Well, that's a great, that's an awesome opportunity, right? You can buy, you can take over the mortgage payments, not assume the loan, right? But you can start making the mortgage payments by the property subject to the existing mortgage, knowing that the mortgage payments are like $500 a month. So you just start paying that to the bank and then, you know, it rents out for a thousand, right? But, but see, if there's a good bit of equity and you're going to do kind of like that hybrid method, which again, we're going to touch on that later. That's why it's important to understand what that exit strategy is going to be, because if you're paying, you know, another $300 to the you know, seller out of the equity that they have, right? Kind of doing a hybrid method of the two. And then you have that mortgage payment to the bank, 500 plus 300, right? Five, six, seven, eight. And then it rents for a thousand. You got like $200 left. It's not necessarily maybe the best strategy if you're taking in, you know, account for, you know, maintenance, repairs, reserves, things like that. Uh, but again, we'll dive in a little bit deeper into that stuff. But I just want you guys to understand at least subject to in and itself, um, how to really go about that, how to approach that. And um, hopefully that made sense. So uh, let me know if you guys have any questions. Please send me uh, an email, you know, connect with me. I have tons of links in the description. Um, Just ask me questions, man. I've done all of these different strategies that I talk about here um, and would love to help you guys and walk you through it. But other than that, hopefully that made sense. And hopefully you guys get excited about potentially buying a property subject to its existing mortgage um, in your near future or in your future in general. Um, And let me know if you have any questions. Peace out. This has been another episode of the Amputee Investor Podcast with your host, Miles Berrio. 